Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady, and with me is my co-host, Lou Weiss. Lou is president of All Metals and Forge Group and a manufacturer of open-die forgings and seamless rolled rings in several metal families for industry and machinery building. So if you're looking for a good quality forging, please call or surf over to steelforge.com and put in your inquiry. Lou, joining us today is James Crean. He has uh, been well known in the aerospace industry, but he's bringing together people, process, and technology as he talks to companies about how to move their product from idea to an innovation to reality. Uh, James, welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Great to be here, Tim and Lou. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we, we, we love all the technology and uh, we, love this, we love passing it on to other companies who are not necessarily uh, prone to be able to see it, hear it, find it, and so on. So thank you for doing that. Uh, so aerospace has not been exactly uh, high on the hit parade over the last uh, uh, year or more. So uh, how are you finding uh, that they are um, building up and expanding um, the technology when their business for right now is not really moving forward? That's a great question. So, um, so as, as for us, we actually have, uh, we focus on space launch and aviation systems. So obviously, yeah, aviation has been struggling um, more this year. And, uh, and we, we had some projects that have been delayed as a result of that. Um, but it's starting to pick up again. And, and people are starting to realize that uh, travel will be, will be back soon. And, and uh, they need to be ready for that. Um, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a rough year on the aviation front, but on space right. in the space uh, sector and launch sector, there's a lot of innovation going on and, and a lot of work that's focused on uh, bringing products, services, and technology to uh, to to the moon and to and to Mars. And uh, we've been working on a number of those projects. But we also do our smart factory um, folks work across all industries, not just in aviation. So um, it's, a, it's it, we've been able to, to uh, pivot as, uh, as things uh, have. So are, are you planning to be on one of the first trips into low level space for $100,000? <laughs> I think that ship may have sailed for me at this point, uh, <laughs> Lou, I'd love to. I always, uh, it was, uh, it was a, uh, one of those, one of those things that I considered uh, early in my career, if I wanted to be an astronaut versus uh, doing things here on, on earth. And what I've found is uh, there's, uh, there's so many cool things to do here. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, but uh, Hey, maybe, maybe I end up uh, uh, deciding to put my, my ashes in a, in an urn and send them to, to <laughs> Mars or something when <laughs> time comes. Uh well, when I was when I was a kid, I was a uh, nineteen when they started sending up the Sputniks and the, the monkeys and so on. I w I was into it. I just loved it, wanted to be involved, and who knows? I may wind up being on a low level spaceship for hundred grand. Right. 
Absolutely. There's a new new space race happening. It's uh, it's a pretty exciting time. And, uh, you know, uh, all credit to, to Elon Musk in a lot of ways for uh, sure. sort of energizing people to say, hey, there's a different way of thinking about things. And and uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of private companies that are investing and in, as well as uh, all the great work that NASA is doing and the cool stuff. And we got we got a chance to work on the Mars Perseverance rover and help out in some areas. We provide some expertise to JPL in some specific areas where they where they uh, were asking for some extra support and and uh, so it's uh, it's fun stuff and uh, we uh, no, no doubt the change is we, we hear a lot to, about. I just want to throw in: we had the honor of uh, live streaming uh, the event of the Perseverance. So nice. Tim? Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah we're right. we're all on the on pins and needles as it was happening. So that was fantastic. It was terrific. James, I just want to find out: we hear a lot about smart factory these days. So, what is a smart factory, and how are you in play in that? arena oh uh you know uh, smart factory yeah it's uh, uh there's so many so many different perspectives on what that is i'll, I'll tell you what our perspective is and and um and i i know that the, there's probably a if you ask 100 people you get 100 answers to that question but for us our our we we like an integrated approach to thinking about creating a smart factory and that includes people process and technology and um and everything, when you're trying to get something done, uh, you know, you've, you've got to have the right team and you got to put the right people together in, in order to do that. And you got to have the right leadership. And for us, um, you know, when we, when we work with our clients, we start with working with the, the leadership team. What is it that they're trying to accomplish and why are they accomplishing it? And, and, and we develop a people-centric solution for the entire enterprise for them you know, around what it is that they're trying to accomplish. Um, and then, then we start looking at their process and we say, all right, what are the, what processes are being used in order to implement the, uh, the current solution that they have? Then we look at what's possible. And, uh, and we, we, we first focus on what do we need to do from a process perspective to improve what's going on and then, and this is our ideal, and then at the end, we look at what are the technologies that should be put in place in order to augment that process and continue to improve on it. Um, the reason why that's important is, is that when you start with technology, sometimes you're, you're putting technology into a process that really needs to be re-looked at. So, so that's kind of the general approach that we take. So for us, a smart factory is a factory that is focused on people, process, as well as technology. It's not just, you know, flashing lights and and uh, uh, and uh, you know automated systems. Uh, and and in fact, let me add to that that some of the smart factory implementations that we do have no technology added into them. That's not necessary, right? So a smart factory doesn't have to be one that's 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 inundated with technology. So we think about it differently. Interesting. What's the difference between a smart factory and a non-smart factory? Well, to me, a smart factory is one that out, outpaces all of your competitors. That's the fundamental thing that you're trying to accomplish, right? So right. 
for us, we look at, and, and, and one of the reasons we talk about accelerated performance is, as our tagline is, is that it's that if you focus on speed, um, you know, first and foremost, you have to deliver a quality product. So producing something that if you're not producing a quality product your customer loves, you're not going to be in business. So we sort of take that as a given. And then if you focus on speed, you cannot have intermediate quality escapes in the middle of trying to produce something and having to rework it and, and, uh, uh, and that. So, so the more you focus on how quickly you can do something, the more you're focused on how do I make sure I can do that without having any mistakes or, or escapes from a quality perspective. And what we find is that with our clients, when we focus on, on cutting their cycle time, we end up cutting their cost pretty uh, dramatically at the same time. Our typical engagement, we will take out 50% of the cycle time and we'll also take 50% of the labor cost per unit out at the same time. And, and what we're trying to do there is we're trying to build that, we're growing that company, right? We're not interested in finding ways to lay off a bunch of people. What we find is that when we do that with a company, they're able to sell so much more because they're able to deliver faster than their competitors. And so their demand for their product goes, you know, goes through the roof. And that's, that's what we're trying to accomplish. It's a business solution, right? It's not a, hey, this is a cool technology solution and this is something we can you know, show off to our friends. It's let's solve the business problem of let's outcompete our competitors. And ultimately for us, what drives us is let's bring those jobs home from overseas, right? Because we've seen it. We've seen how much improvement is possible we're really convinced that, uh, that there's very few industries that can't compete with overseas effectively. And so that's our focus. You know, one of the topics that Tim and I have been uh, interviewing and talking about for the last year or more, and it's becoming, you know, even a higher level of concern, and that is uh, cybersecurity and, um, um, NIST 800-171 and all of the things that are looking to protect our technology so that what you do for your clients and what your clients do for their clients, we have to protect that um, uh, technology. Um, the Department of Defense, Department of Energy are getting very serious uh, about this particular topic. Uh, do you care to care to, or can you speak to that point? Oh, absolutely. No, it's a critically important topic, Lou. And I'm really glad, well, I'm really glad you brought it up because, um, you know, we hear about the, these hacks and whatnot that happen all the time. Uh, and, and, and those are the ones we hear about, right? The, there's plenty that you don't hear about. Those are the big ones you hear about, but but to smaller companies and medium-sized companies, when they get hacked, um, sometimes they may not know it for, for an extended period of time. <clears throat> when, they do get, uh, when they do have an incident, it can be devastating to the business. Sure. And so you know, that's, that's one of the things, you know, being that, that our engineering services side of the company is, uh, is, is focused on aerospace uh, applications is something we're extremely sensitive to. And so we, you know, we have a partner that we work with 
that does uh, all of our cybersecurity internally. And also when we work with clients and any technology that we implement, we bring them in in order to ensure that we have you know, really looked, looked at how do we um, uh, strengthen their uh, position as necessary in order to protect them. But DOD is looking to, you know, that you have the CMMC requirements that are now uh, coming into place. And so everybody needs to get that certification over the course of the next few years. And uh, we're already, we're already uh, working on that. And we've already done our NIST compliance and, and, and all of that work. So, so we've been through it and we've done it, you know, internally and we've, uh, you know, worked with uh, our partner in how to do that for all the other, uh, other companies that, that we work with. So it's critically important. And, and, and anybody that's not looking at it needs to be looking at it. it it's, it's so important. Um, as uh, Tim and I have been talking about NIST and cybersecurity now for some time, um, the Department of uh, Defense uh, have been talking the talk now for five years that each December 31st, if you're not NIST compliant, you won't do business with the Department of Defense. And they've been doing that now for five years, you know, very typical of government um, dragging their heels. However, from my understanding, that this is the year. It, it is. It yeah. is the year. And uh, they, uh, there are a lot of uh, um, uh, consultants around available who can give you guidance and help. Uh, if you are doing business, and this is for our, our listeners, if you are doing business with DOD and you're not familiar with the cyber issues and not familiar with uh, CMMC, um, you need to uh, get involved quickly because you will not be doing business with the government in a year from now. So I, I strongly recommend, and if you have any guidance on that, then if you want to give us your uh, website and your email address, uh, so our listeners have some place to go to hear the whole story, be my guest. Right. Well, yeah, and and I can't echo that enough. It's it's critically important. And uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we're we're happy to help anybody that uh, that is need uh, in need of uh, getting to compliance with. Uh, uh, the CMMC requirements. Our website is creaninc.com, C-R-E-A-N, as in November, inc, I-N-C.com. And uh, so you can contact us through that and happy to walk you through what that roadmap looks like. And uh, uh, one approach to that, actually, that can really work for particularly small and medium-sized companies is to have a virtual um uh, chief information security officer. So you don't have to have like this, bring in this big infrastructure, but to actually just have somebody who provides you with the support on an as needed basis. Uh, it's a very cost-effective way of right. creating that compliance and, and sustaining that compliance and without having, because it can be a, an overwhelming task. Um, you know, having gone through it, I can tell you it's, it can be very easily overwhelming. If you have the right expert that helps you out, it's, it's so much easier. And it's, and it, by the way, it's so much cheaper. So. 
One of the things that uh, I, I was talking to one of the consultants in this area of cybersecurity and, and such is the, the marketing value of being uh, registered or certified mm -hmm. or going through this process. Uh, the marketing value is tremendous. And, you know, in a market that we have had in the last a uh, year or more, a shrinking target, shrinking market. Uh, now might be the time for you to look to expand. And I, and I remember going back when uh, in 1992, uh, All Metals and Forge Group, which is my metals company, we went to get the registration for ISO uh, 9000. And, um, it, it was huge. The value of bringing that online, aside from the fact that you have now systems in place where you can uh, avoid errors and uh, diminish problems within your manufacturing uh, environment, the fact that you are ISO'd is huge. Sure. And I think the same thing is gonna be happening now. Yeah, I mean, some some government contracts you won't be able to get. I mean, I think you alluded to this. You won't get the contract if you're not uh, CMMC certified and NIST compliant. Um, right. And so it's 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 very important if you're a government contractor and you want to do or or planning to do business with the government that that you you know you know give us a call or whatever and uh, or or find somebody else who can help you. There's a limited number of companies. There's there's many companies that will you know sort of uh, help you in, in one form or another. There's a really limited number of companies that are actually certified by the government to, uh, to do the audits uh, that are necessary. And so that's, that's the partner, one of the partners that we have that uh, is actually, they were one of the first 12 companies and they only just, just got certification. Uh, the government only handed out these certifications to these audit companies in the last 12 months, not mm -hmm. even that, probably the last four months. And so, um, so it is important to have ultimately the right partner so that you, um, you get the, the certifications that you want and, and need in order to be able to market to the government. Absolutely, so. absolutely. James, with all of this cybersecurity activity going on, Lou and I have both read the book, China, the 100 year marathon mm -hmm. and their drive, their ambition to be first and foremost in everything. And they certainly have the population to do it and the drive to do it. How big a threat is China gonna be? And is that really why the government is cracking down on NIST 800 at this point? I think they've already proven to be that threat. Um, there's other bad actors, of course, uh, out there, um, but, uh, but China has, uh, uh, has been extremely active in uh, in every aspect of industry, and they have a um, uh, a very uh, integrated strategy of uh, of going after uh, companies uh, and uh, as well as state organizations. Um, so there, there's uh, it, it's critically important to. Uh, to the infrastructure of the United States. But I want to just say that it's that, you know, it, it's not all doom and gloom here. 
Um, I, I am extremely optimistic about American manufacturing. Um, I think that, um, you know, I've, I've, I sort of put my, my uh, look to the future hat on and I say, all right, so today Amazon can deliver something to you in, in a day or two. And that's a really critical advantage that, that Amazon and other companies that are able to deliver quickly have. But those deliveries, particularly if we look at Amazon, are deliveries that are coming from a warehouse or something that's already built. And, uh, and what I see in the marketplace today, and I think a lot of your listeners uh, probably are experiencing the same thing, is that they're getting requests for customized products that they're gonna customize, they want customized, their customer wants customized, but they also want it delivered very quickly. And so speed and customization together is really where the future is going. And so if you think about the fact that it takes you know, three to seven days just to get something here from China through customs and everything else when you're trying to expedite it, let alone how long it takes when it gets stuck in the port and all the other issues that we continuously hear about in the supply chain. Um, when you factor that time in, and then you then you go back and say, all right, now they have to manufacture it as well. Well, you're not going to be able to deliver on Amazon time, you know, on you know, uh, in two to two to three days or one to three days, <clears throat> a customized product if it's going to be manufactured overseas. So, what I really encourage our clients to focus on: where can you add value to your customer by customizing your product for their particular needs and be able to deliver it. In, in lightning quick time, right? Be able to, to do it as fast as you possibly can. And that's why I really, really encourage your listeners, think about that problem, because I think that's the problem of the future and those companies and, and today, but those companies that are able to execute on that capability are going to be the, the, the big winners of the future. I mean, we're working with a building products manufacturing company. They, they, produce, they have literally thousands of SKUs for a relatively simple sheet metal product. You would think it's, you know, pretty straightforward. It's, um, but then 40% of their business is custom. And, you know, so even, even in, you know, products that are relatively, you know, low technology products and, and in industries that you might not think, well, why do you need all these customized building products? Well, that's what architects want, right? And, and, you know, I mean, honestly, the architects of today, they all grew up with, you know, technology that allows them to order whatever they want and get it, you know, really quickly. And so those, those managers that are making those orders, those supply chain managers that are making those orders, those architects that are, that are specifying these things, they don't have an expectation that they need to order something and then wait for weeks and weeks for it to show up. They want to order something. They want specifically what they want, and they want it in the next couple of days, right? Even in oil and gas, right? Here, you know, I'm in here in Austin, Texas, and and you know, I I'm talking to to clients that are saying, well, I'm I'm getting hammered because my customer expects me to deliver flares, these big, you know, uh, contraptions, you know, overnight. <laughs> And I can't do that. I've got, you know, week long cycle times. And, and so we go and say, all right, well, 
what does really overnight mean to your customer, right? And we sit down with them and talk to them and say, well, you know, delivering right away, if they get it in the same week or if they get it within three days or four days, you know, that's, that meets their demand, that meets their need. And so, okay, great. Well, so then we sit down and we design a system in place so we can say, so that they can take that order, not have to carry a finished goods inventory, take that order and be able to deliver within three days anywhere in Texas. That's pretty cool, right? And that's, yeah. that's game changing. And especially in a business where, you know, the market is, is going up and down, like, you, you know, like yesterday, you know, all, all the time, right? So, you know, you don't want to be stuck holding a bunch of really expensive finished inventory when all of a sudden the market, you know, shifts into a different, uh, a different arena. So it's a, it's a great way to run a business, uh, but you have to, you know, you've got to think it all through and you got to do it in a way that, that meets your customer demand. And it goes beyond lean. This is not just lean, right? I, I so <laughs> want to emphasize that this, you know, just in time, you know, mentality that, that we've had with lean for so long, it's, it's, it's different than that. There's, there's the advanced class, let's just say that, uh, that everybody needs to get on board to here, right? So anyway, uh, I hope I answered your question. I'm sorry, yeah, well, I kind of rambled it, there a little bit, Tim. Point. It's an important point, James, and I'm really glad that you used that real world example. That's the kind of thing that our listeners can really relate to. Oh, I get it. Uh, and very often uh, in the business world, people will say, I can't, we can't. But with, with a company like yours to come in and provide them with a solution that says, yeah, you can, you just have to tweak a few things, change a couple of things, and gee, this is the end result. That's great stuff, James. I'm glad you're doing it. Uh, it's, and, and it's we love it, right? It's just fun because you're helping companies not just solve a particular problem, but you're helping companies make a ton of money, right? And, you know, <laughs> at the same time, right? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about return on investment. And, you know, and so, um, you know, we'll go and, and, and sit down and solve the business problem, right? And the business problem as it relates to, uh, you know, uh, assembly, manufacturing and assembly and, and shipping. And, you know, we'll talk to a company they say, well, you know, we have a 10 day cycle time right now from order to delivery. Okay. So let's look at the sales process and how long does it take for you to get that order to the floor? Right. And then let's look at the floor and how long does it take for you to get, to get, get the order from the, from, you know, uh, uh, that original delivery to the floor and out the door and shipping. And we'll look at that whole thing and we come up with an integrated solution so that now the cycle time goes from 10 days to three days. Right. And all their competitors are sitting there going, I was selling like crazy at 10 days all the time. And because I was, I was priced a little bit underneath, you know, that, that, that guy over there. Well, that guy over there is now charging 10 or 20% more, but he's delivering in three days. Right. But at the same time, the coolest part of it is, is we do all of that. We don't change the number of people in the factory. You, you've, what happens, what, this is what typically happens and nobody believes this is possible. This is the stuff that's crazy. And, you know, we only, you know, we're, we do business with the top 10 percenters out there because the rest of the rest of the people don't really understand that this is possible. They don't think it's possible. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been, you know, and, and you don't understand my business and all the rest of it. Right. And we've heard it all. Right. You know, it's, and, and 
I love all those people and I wish them all the great success, right? But we can't help them, right? They, that's why it starts with people and it starts with leadership. What do you, you know, are you, are you able to see that there's more possible out there? And so it just, it just gets us so excited when we find those, those opportunities to work with companies and say, all right, so let's, let's change your whole way of thinking about this. And um, I mean, it's not radical, but it's just going through and doing the systematic work. And we get into the gory, gory details. We are implementation specialists. We get into the details. You know, uh, you know, if necessary, we'll sit there and pick up stuff and move them ourselves and whatever with the, with the team. We get into we get into it, but it's just fun. It's it's getting in and going. All right, so let's let's get that process down. And and what ends up happening is you end up producing two or three times as much with the same number of people, the same resources, same machinery. Same number of shifts. People don't think it's possible. It's crazy, right? And 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 you're doing it in a half or a third of the cycle time, and so you're killing the bottom line just by doing the same amount of business. But then the sales guys go nuts because they're able to sell like crazy. But at the same time, what you've done is you've doubled the productivity of the factory, right? So you're able to sell twice as much. So that's why it's like that's that's why it's it's really finding the right companies that get it that can say all right well hey listen I'm not going to do this I'm not going to do this because I can lay a bunch of people off I'm going to do this because I'm going to put all the pressure on sales to sell more stuff because we've got such a great solution for our customer right and once you have that then it's magic right then it's like okay I mean honestly I, we're not into laying anybody off we're into growing jobs in America that's what we're into and this is for us this is the way you do that. You, you deliver a product and you do it in such a way that nobody, nobody can compete with you. You know, the, the folks overseas are sitting there going, why did my business just dry up overnight? Well, because I can do it cheaper now here and I can deliver it faster and I can customize the product to give to my customer so I can actually charge them more. I mean, it's the, you know, what is that? Is that the trifecta or the quadfecta? I'm not, I'm not sure, but. But that's the thing that we need to be focused on here in America and American manufacturers and integrators. That's what we have to focus on. That's what a smart factory does is it kills the competitors overseas. That's that going back to your original question. What's a smart factory? It's an overseas killer. That's what it is. It's a job creator. That's what a smart factory is. So cool. anyway, I'm, James, I'm getting all excited. And, James, and, and well, well said. And uh, Tim and I have talked uh, over and over and over for the last eight, nine years about how manufacturing companies and management at manufacturing companies don't get it. Well, they're beginning to get it, like by guys like you, guys like you who come up with the software programs and uh, uh, project management systems and so on. And Guys in manufacturing are so used to making things that they don't necessarily see ways to uh, improve their, their bottom line and so on and so forth. What you're doing and uh, those of your ilk, uh, you're, you're helping our country tremendously. And I, I wish you thanks for that. Well, I've we love it. We're, we're, we're doing it because it's fun and we're absolutely patriots. We, we love this country and we know that we can compete in manufacturing and assembly and integration and, 
and that in, in, in you know, and, and expand that business base. And it's so important to the country. It's, we, right. I can't tell you, you know, coming, you know, sort of integrating the smart factory stuff that we do with what we do in the aerospace industry, I can see the importance of, of shrinking that, that innovation to delivery cycle time is, is so important to the future of our country in so many different ways that we probably don't have time to discuss all of the ways that that's, that's critically important. But having that manufacturing base here in America and, and uh, building that capability continuously and, and improving on it, right, is really, you have to, yeah. if there's one message that I can, I can, you know, convey is you cannot keep doing things the way you've been doing them continuously. Find some help to think about things differently. It, it's so valuable and, and uh, for any business, no matter if you're manufacturing or, or, you know, retail or whatever it is, you know, innovation is important and innovation is not just in products. Innovation is in how you deliver your products, how you deliver your services. And so, um, so it's, a, it's a continuous challenge. It's a continuous challenge for our business to figure out how do we continue to innovate the way we deliver our services, especially when COVID hit. It was like, wow, we have to really rethink the way we do things because nobody yeah. wants us to come to our factories anymore. So Yeah, that, that was a real uh, hit in the head uh, mm -hmm. process that we're going through. Uh, Jim? Well, James, just to wrap it up, kind of give us a synopsis of what COVID did and, and how factories can now respond in the future. Because I think we're right in the cusp of conquering COVID, at least for this year. We don't know what uh, the next six months or the next cycle is going to bring. But how are factories really faring with it and how can they even fare better? Uh, well, yeah, COVID's been, you know, it, it, honestly, it's been devastating to some companies and it's been a godsend to other companies. I mean, that's, you know, that's the reality of, of that. Um, but I think the big lesson that we, we've all learned during the COVID era is that, you know, your supply chain's not a given, you know, your, uh, you know, you, you can have these, uh, these events that cause your market to just evaporate uh, overnight uh, or significantly change. And so being able to pivot uh, uh, and adjust quickly is critically important. And so uh, I think the companies that have been successful in doing that, they're still in business and they're, and they're you know, raring to go as, as, uh, as things begin to uh, you know, uh, reopen and fire up. Uh, and so, uh, so there's, there's great opportunities and that pivoting, that flexibility, uh, you know, not being just a one trick pony in terms of uh, products and services, that's all, that's all stuff that, you know, obviously the strategic thinkers of every company needs to be thinking about. I was just on the phone actually with uh, somebody from Germany and they're saying they just, they just locked everything down again in Germany, right? So, you know, what's that supply chain look like? Anybody who's got a supply chain in Germany is sitting there scratching their head going, all right, I thought this was over and, and now, I'm, now I might be dealing with uh, more shortages. Uh, and, and so, yeah, we have to, um, we have to think smarter, you know, have flexible systems and, um, and, and implement smart factories. Those smart factories with, uh, uh, you know, smart people 
leading them and and uh, helping to make them happen. That's the that's the future. And and uh, let's go let's go get it get it done. I mean, uh, America's America's here to to uh, uh, to make things, innovate and build and build them. We don't just have to come up with ideas and have somebody else build them. Let's go build them ourselves. Right. I'd like to just mention, uh, James, that uh, when you come up with new ideas, thoughts, products, uh, concepts, kindly give us uh, an outreach because we'd love to have you back because everything you're saying is right on the mark. Uh, oh, well, I, this has been a pleasure. I, absolutely. You know, we're, we're constantly innovating and developing new solutions and new approaches. We've, 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 we could go on for hours, Lou. You, I know. I'd bore the heck out of you. But we, we've, I know. We, we're, we've got the laundry list of, of ideas and <laughs> solutions. We're technology agnostic. So, when, you know, it's a, as, as somebody comes to us and says, hey, I've got this cool thing. We test it out. We check it out and go, eh, it's not really working yet. But, you know, come back later or, wow, this is really cool. And I've got some, you know, some interesting places that uh, that might be able to use us and, and really help them out. And so technology is always changing. Uh, but uh and then, uh, honestly, process is changing too, right? You know, I I'm sorry, but if you designed your lean program in the back in the '80s, you know, your lean program is is dead. Okay, it's time for a new <laughs> way of thinking about manufacturing. Uh, you know, it's not that lean's terrible; it's foundational to a lot of stuff. But we have to we have to think towards the future and and innovate in how we you know what we refer to as the factory operating system. We have our smart factory operating system, but it's how that factory operates uh, and what are the rules and how that all works. It's, 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 there's such cool stuff out there. It's, it's so much fun. It's cool stuff and it's the only thing that's going to protect our country and our manufacturing base and our economy by yes. keeping 10 steps ahead on the technology scoreboard. You bet. Tim? Amen. Amen. James, James, thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate the conversation and your enthusiasm for it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm not even I'm not even uh, Italian, and I'm waving my hands all over. The place. I'm, <laughs> I'm Irish, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thank you guys so much. This has really thank been a you. pleasure, and thank, thank you, you for everything that you're doing for manufacturing in America. Really, really do appreciate it. Well, we appreciate that as well. Thank you. And you folks who are. Our uh, watching us online, go over to Crean Inc. C R E A N is a Nancy, I N C dot com. Crean Inc. And you will find all the information on this company. And also, while you're surfing around, stop at jacketmediaco.com. You're going to see a yellow jacket with a black tie. That's us guys. Now, I don't we, we don't wear black ties, black <laughs> Sorry, shirts. Yellow jacket, black shirt. Uh, and, uh, you'll know you're at the right spot, Jacket Media Co., where you'll find links to all our podcasts. And you'll also find us on C Suite TV and C Suite Radio. And we're on all of your favorite podcast listening platforms. So thank you for being with us for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.